Welcome to another episode of the Flight Deck Podcast. As always, I'm your host, TK, and I thank you guys for tuning in. Now, joining me for this go-round will be another regular contributor, another part-time uh, co-host, and a guy who uh, I-, I trust his knowledge and his capabilities and abilities when it comes to talking football more than I trust probably anybody that I've met. Now, a lot of you in the, in the groups that I'm in, y'all know this guy. Y'all y'all know him, know him. Y'all trust everything he says because he's spot on 100 out of 100 times that we've talked. So without further ado, I want to bring in my guy, Mr. Omari Brown. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, bro. It's uh, It's been a long time coming. It's funny that you say that because we actually never met in person, but I feel like I've known you. We've been in fantasy leagues together, always constantly, you know, going through the um, – you know, the trials and tribulations of what it means to be <laughs> a Jets fan. So it's finally good to, to get on here. Um, I've been listening to a couple of the episodes before me, and I'm definitely excited to get on. Uh, you know, a little bit about myself, for you guys that don't know, um, uh, Tyrus and I met just, you know, across some fan pages and, and, and groups on Facebook and things like that. But my knowledge, you know, I played football, you know, growing up, played a couple years in college, nothing big, D3. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I've been a Jets fan since the Herman, Herman Edwards era. I was about, uh, I think I was about like 10, 10 or 11 when Herm was the head coach and things like that. So, you know, I've, I've been there, you know, it hasn't been much success, but, you know, we've had a couple of playoff runs highlighted by the back-to-back AFC championships that we have with Rex, but it's been tough sledding these last few years and it's been hard to, um, you know, watch this team. I'm just glad now that we actually have a franchise quarterback and it seems like things are, you know, trending in the right direction. This is a very important year, so and there's a lot of guys, um, especially on the defensive side of a team that has a pretty good young nucleus. But I think that um, with some of the additions that uh, that we're going to talk about, TK, I think that um, you know we can make some real strides this year, this offseason, if, if McCagman makes a you know pushes the right buttons. Oh yeah, with, without a doubt. I uh, that that's the thing, man. Mike making the right picks because i mean his his last few picks have just been given you know they they fell in his lap sam fell in his lap jamal fell in his lap so you know this 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 is a make or break year for him in my opinion um i and i honestly don't i'm not gonna say that he has to win x amount of games for him to keep his job but it has to be he, he has to hit in the free agency he has to hit in the draft. We can't have any uh, more Hackenberg uh, types of gaffes, um, especially right now. Like you said, we finally got a franchise quarterback. This is the first season in a long time that we hadn't gone into the offseason, um, wringing our hands and worrying about that position. So with with Sam stepping up like he did in the end last year, with with uh, the additions that we had with, with Jamal Adams and and a couple other players, now is the time for us to make those moves. So uh, on the last episode, we talked strictly uh, offense, me and my guy Ed. Shout out to Ed. Um, so this this uh, episode, we're going to delve into the defensive side of the ball, something that I, I know you know a lot about. Um, you know, you you dropped some, some real science on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to just let you do your thing, man, and and, and, and go with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I just I just try to down some guys that I think that that would be good additions to the team. 
And, um, you know, I, I tried to take into account that Greg Williams, um, Adam Gase, head coach Adam Gase already said that they're going to stick with the 34. So their base defense, even though teams are, you know, you look at the statistics, teams are still, you know, a lot of teams are playing the nickel 60 to 70 percent of the time just because it's an offensive, you know, pass happy league now. But their base is going to be a 3-4. So, you know, a lot of these guys that, that I'm talking about, they either had experience in the past playing the 3-4 or they're versatile guys that can possibly do both. So I want to get started on the, on the edge rushes because it, everybody knows, like besides quarterback, we've been searching for uh, a bona fide pass rusher, a guy that can win one-on-ones since John Abraham. And honestly, it's a little embarrassing to think that over that time, the best edge rusher that we've probably had in the gap since John Abraham was traded away is who? Aaron Maben? I mean, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a little, that's a little bit sad. And to be honest, I don't even think Maven was ever that good. I just think that Rex was scheming him to have free rushes for the most time. So um, I got four names here. And then after I talk about the guys, I just want to, I just want to get what, I want to know what you think as well, too. Uh, the first guy I had, and it's actually funny, these guys, these first two guys are probably 1A and 1B to me. But 1A is going to be Preston Smith. Preston Smith is an edge guy, 3-4 outside linebacker, big enough to be a 4-3 base end as well, too. So depending on whatever Greg Williams wants to do, I think Preston Smith is going to be able to fit that, that scheme. He's an aggressive guy. He sets that before we even get into what he can do in the pass rush, playing opposite of Ryan Kerrigan, he did a tremendous job playing the, um, playing the weak side. He's great against the run. I've seen, uh, you know, if you look at highlights, if you look at game tape and things like that, I know YouTube is a little bit hard to get an understanding to see because you're only seeing highlights. But Preston Smith does a great job against the run. He um, stretches out plays. He, he goes down the line. I think that he's a very disciplined player. Now, he's one of those guys that doesn't have tremendous sack production, only six sacks on, you know, the year. But he generates a lot of pressure. Okay, so what I really like about Preston Smith is that, like, like I said, like he, he doesn't have a lot of sacks, only six sacks on the air, which isn't anything to, to really, you know, to frown at. But he generates a lot of pressure, and he's really active in the run game, and he's really active in the pass game as well, too. So I think that Preston Smith, um, I think he would be one of the top targets. I think, like, as soon as free agency opens, honestly, this is like, you know, the tampering period right now. They should be talking to Preston Smith's agent, trying to figure out what he wants and you would think that a guy, you know, pass rushers, guys that can get after the quarterback, guys that protect the quarterback, and guys that take the ball away from the quarterback, those are the guys that are getting paid. So you have to, you know, you have to think that Preston Smith is going to command anywhere from 12 to $14 million on a, and you know, on an AAV. So I think that if you bring somebody like him in, I think that that would be really, I think that that would be really good. And he's a guy that, that can win one-on-one. And then – that also, you know, a lot of these guys that you're bringing in is going to allow the Jets to, to be flexible during the draft because the Jets need assets too, you know. Uh, the second guy, 1B that I like, Anthony Barr. I love this guy. I love this guy coming out of college. And um, now, you know, a lot, of, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of fickle Jets fans are just going to look at stats. And, uh, you know, stats don't always tell the whole story because we don't really know what Anthony Barr was asked to do. Right. Um, Anthony Barr was playing in Mike Zimmer's, you know, famed 4-3. So he was playing off-ball linebacker. So for a lot of guys, he's playing the 4-3. So he's playing more towards – he's in a run-and-chase scheme. And that's what he was asked to do in Minnesota. Because when you think about it, Minnesota, man, they were loaded at pass rushers. You look at this past year, they had Sheldon Richardson. You know, you got uh, Limbaugh Joseph. You got Daniel Hunter. 
You got Everson Griffin. Yes. Yeah, you got you got all those guys. So when you got all those guys, honestly, there's not much. He's not going to get much, you know, chances. But if you look at it, he has a nose to the ball. He always makes big plays. And honestly, guys, even though it's a popularity contest, four Pro Bowls in five years is nothing to really frown at. So exactly. the guy's a player. Yeah, the guy's a player, whether you're asking him to rush the quarterback or not, which we're going to need because you don't want, you know, you, you like, you know, when you have your starters out there, you just don't want linebackers that do one thing. You want guys that, that you know, you don't have to really be – you want a jack-of-all-trades, really a master of none. And, that, and that's totally fine because you need some role plays in there. Everybody isn't going to be the Von Miller and the Justin Houstons when he's healthy and things like that. So I like Anthony Barr because – that's what's that's where scouting comes into play, you know, right. because if you trust your scouts and this is why coaching is so important. And I feel like the Jets have lacked proper coaching and, and scouting over the last two decades, especially since I'm 30 years old. So at least since I've been a kid, I always feel like the Jets scouting department, you know, besides when Eric Mangini was there, you know, calling the shots and really, you know, making those picks. It's been a while. So I think Anthony Barr, if you go back and watch some of his college film, granted it's college and he's playing against guys that really aren't pros. When you look at it, what I look at when I'm looking at guys that are coming out in college and, and you know, we could, we could touch on some of the um, edge rushers that are coming out this year. You got to look at like, do they work half the man? Do they have a go-to pass rush move? Do they have a counter move? Can right. they, you know, yeah. Can they, can they bend around coming off the edge? Can they dip low? Can they get skinny? Do they work half the man? That's the kind of things that you really need to look at when you're evaluating these pass rushers. You can't, you know, you, like if you, all you're doing is basing, you know, what you've seen off a highlight, you know, those glorified highlights on YouTube or how good these guys look in compression shorts and, and, and shorts at the combine, that's really not it. You know, and, and what a lot of people, you know, get scared of, they all go back to Vernon Ghoston. I mean, there, there were, you know, there, there were warning signs with Ghoston. But I think that Preston Smith and Anthony Barr, if you can get one of those guys, um, honestly, I, I like if you, you know, gun to my head and you had to choose, maybe I go Preston Smith just because he's been doing it. And he actually, you know, he has the production and you know he can play 3-4 outside linebacker. Anthony Barr is kind of going to be one of those guys that, you know, you're going to bet that, that, that he's going to make that transition and, um, you know, become a productive player. But um, I wanted to get your, your take on it. How do you feel about those two guys? Well, um, you said something that was inter- interesting earlier. Um, and when you said it, I was thinking the exact same thing at the same time in the, the uh, line you said that the Jets fans look at stats and uh, not really the, the player in totality, you know. Um, num- numbers can lie, you know. Like, for instance, uh, look, at, look at Crowell last year, right? Um, now he had about 700 rushing yards. Hell, 200 and some change came in one game, right? Um, yep. like Calvin Ridley, he had a nice rookie season, but he had that one game where he had 200 yards and four touchdowns. So, you know, numbers don't lie, but they can be manipulated to be used in whatever way you need them to be used, right? So, with with, with that being said, um, I like I like both of them. And I said uh, you know, on the post that we was on in, in 24-7, I like Barr. I I think he is a one of those uh do-it-all types of players uh, where you just can't pigeonhole him into a single role. Now, 
I loved him coming out of UCLA, 23 and a half sacks his last two years in college. Um, and I, I don't know what – well, like you said, they had so many monsters up in Minnesota that he wasn't needed, per se, to be that 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 pass rusher, that edge guy, because, you know, they were getting the, they were getting their quarterbacks just a four-man front, you know, uh, without really having to blitz. Um, and, and his um, – you know, I, I look deeper in, into his numbers and the the amount of times that he had to blitz uh, versus the the number of sacks that he has. And on the surface, it, it looks it doesn't look good. But if you really look into it, um, the success rate that he had when he did line up and, and just all out blitz was good. And it, it didn't translate to a bunch of sacks. But in my opinion, hurries are, are at times just as big as sacks. You know, being disruptive is just as big. Um, when you know you're facing that third and seven, third and eight, and the quarterback only has one to two seconds to get the ball off, you know, you have a high probability of forcing mistakes. And with a guy like that, with his speed and and his size, because he's a pretty good big big size guy, six five by two forty. You know, he's he's like a little max size, a couple inches taller. Um, and he's very swift of foot. He can run. Uh, ask ask Green Bay Packers how how fast he is, you know. Yes, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm very I'm very high on on Anthony Barr. I'm high on on Preston Smith as well. Again, not a huge numbers guy. Uh, last year, I think he had maybe eight sacks or something to that nature. But I, I think again, his disruptive ability uh, is is pretty good. I think having him on once either one of those guys on on, on opposite side of Jenkins will open him up uh, so that he could be what I think he is. And I think he's like a Calvin Pace type of player. Uh, Seven, eight sacks a a year is what I believe he's capable of. Um, So either one of those guys would work for me. I wouldn't be mad with either one. I think Preston could be had cheaper because I think Barr is looking for a bigger deal because of his pedigree, because of his uh, four Pro Bowls in five years and whatnot. So, again, either one works for me. Uh, I don't have a preference of one over the other. I'd be satisfied tremendously with either guy because the the uh, objective here is to get better overall. You know, um, and I don't think we we will have – I don't think we will. I'm hoping we will, but I, I don't see us having a, a, a pass rush again, 13, 14, 15 sacks – but I do see it as one of those one hand washes to other types of defenses where you have Anderson can get you five or six. Hopefully Shepard can turn it to, you know, some uh being a disruptive tear up the middle, getting you three or four, a bunch of hurries and, and things of that nature, to where instead of you having one guy who has these monster numbers, you got six guys who have very good, you know, numbers, whether it's tackle for losses, whether it's hurries and pressures and sacks. That's what I'm hoping for, because when you have guys who making plays all over the field, they can't scheme for one guy. Now they have a problem. They have a problem in every level. So I like them both, and I think they both will help this defense tremendously. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny that you bring up Calvin Pace because a lot of people remember the you know the amount of money you know it's, it's relative towards that time. I know inflation now. Calvin Pace probably gets closer to you know, 70 million. But at the time, Calvin Pace, when we took him from Arizona, signed a huge deal. And he was definitely that Swiss Army knife. You know, guys used to get mad because, you know, he'd only have like 
six to seven or eight sacks. But if you remember when they had Brian Thomas and and um, and Calvin Pace bookending those Eric Mangini teams, and in the first year of Rex's um, scheme. <coughs> Excuse me. That's when those guys they weren't super dynamic, but they could they were brutal against the. I mean, brutal for other teams against the run, and they generated a lot of pressure. So I think if you can get, you know, I think Smith and Barr would be something like that too, because they're both good in the run. We know that Barr can come down the line and lay a whack on a on a running back. Just ask the NFC, you know, the NFC North, because he did it for the last five years of his career. So I think at worst, both of those guys are going to be a Calvin Pace and Brian Thomas. And it's funny that you say Jordan Jenkins, because I like him too. He's really strong against the run. But for me, I want, you know, let's say that we just bring in one of those guys. I love pass rushers just because sometimes you just got to be four deep. And I just love to have, I just want bullets in the chamber. I want guys always coming after the pass rusher. These offenses are running 65 plus game, uh, 65 plus plays per game now. So you need guys that are fresh. You can't just go, you can't just have two starting outside linebackers. You right. need guys that can be too deep at, you know, at each position. So if you get Barr and you get, and you still have Jordan Jenkins or Smith and however you want to do it, honestly, I'm still drafting Josh Allen or Nick Bosa if one of those guys fall, unless, you know, we get blown away from a team like the Jaguars or the Giants trying to move up. Just because you got to have these guys in there. And it's good that you say that because you want somebody that can win one-on-one. Because you know Greg Williams is going to scheme these guys open at some point. So you want one guy that you want one guy that at least the offensive coordinator goes, yo, we have to, we have to stop this guy. This guy can't beat us. And you just need that presence. So, and as far as um the contract terms, um, with Barr, you know, you don't want to negotiate to the point where you scare him away, but you do got to say, hey, listen, you know, we project that you could be this dynamic pass rusher, but you haven't shown that yet. How about we give you, you know, four years, $12 million per year or something like that. Maybe you could front load the contract just so, you know, you're not tying up too much because the Jets have a lot of holes. But I think that these two guys, I think if you're going pass rushers, hopefully Mac isn't bargain hunting, you got to get one of those two guys. And then I got, um, I have two more names here that I want to get your take on because I think that these are under the radar guys to the conventional fan. But if you've been paying attention, these are guys that are kind of part-time players both of them have played less than 600 snaps. Um, Zadarius Smith, 26 years old, outside linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. As we all know, Terrell Suggs, Hall of Famer, and uh, they had Judah over there too. So he probably wasn't getting as many snaps as he should. The guy had eight and a half sacks. And, you know, you know, my math isn't like super on point or anything like that. Eight and a half sacks and with, you know, with less than, you know, 650 snaps, that's a, that's a really good conversion rate. That's, you know, that means every time he's rushing the passer, that guy's changing the game. Well, he's changing, yeah, he's changing the game for, for you know, as a positive. So I think he's another guy, you know, when you look at him, uh, his market value for a guy, you know, a situational pass rusher like that with the potential to possibly be a starter, that's around $9 million a year. So let's say that Mac has it in his mind, McCagna has it in his mind that, hey, no matter what, I want to get Bosa or Allen. And those are going to be my day one starters. And, you know, Jordan Jenkins is going to be my rotational guy. Or we, you know, actually, you know, the Jets are smart and they bring along one of those young pass rushes slowly. And they're the rotational guy. You could have somebody like Zadarius Smith, who you can get at $9 million a year and all of his best footballs ahead of him. What do you, what do you think about that? Now, and see this. This is why this is why I like you, dog. Because you you'll throw a name out there, and you know sometimes you throw names out that I may have missed. And um, 
I kind of saw his name being floated out there, but not with us. It was with the Raiders. Um, but here's another guy where I would love to have him once you look at him, you know, in, in totality. Now, you brought up his eight and a half sacks, right? So let me tell you what, what I like about him. And I alluded to this earlier. He's another guy that causes hell. He he causes havoc. And in a comparative standpoint, this guy, like you said, had eight and a half sacks. Um, he had 60, 60 total QB pressures, right, himself. The Raiders front four had a total 64 combined, yeah. right? Um, and he had um, – he had 25 QB hurries. He had um, eight and a half sacks, um, 12 QB hits. I mean, so you, you just read if, – if you take away this guy's name and just had a blind uh, reading on this guy with no name, a lot of people would take that with no problem. And – Again, he's another guy I would not mind having because he's disruptive. He produces, um, like you said, he can be had at a cheaper price. Um, it is not; it wouldn't be necessarily uh, bargain basement hunting, you know. But for guys like you, me, and, and a few of the other guys that we, you know, talk to in, in in the the groups or whatever, we would be excited to have a guy like this because we understand what he really brings to the table. Um, a lot of people like the sexy names and, and things of that nature, but you know, we, we've done big names and, and they failed. So I would rather have a guy like this, a lunch and pale blue collar, bust your ass, bust his ass type of guy, um, making a, a decent, you know, uh, check without breaking the bank than having a big name guy who isn't living up to what we're paying him for. A la, uh, True Johnson, a lot of last season, you know, and I get why they paid him. They had to, they just had to do something. So, you know, his was just a, a battle of attrition and collateral damage. So I, I get it with him, but this year is different and we need, you know, Zadarius Smith. We need Preston Smith. Um, so again, I agree with you on this guy. We'd love to have him on the team. Yeah, and absolutely. And and the thing is, you know, I've seen people, you know, saying in Dominican Sue and and Tyron Matthew and stuff like that. And that's all well and good. Those don't you have to understand, like when you when you start getting into the market with guys like that, those guys are pieces towards the those are the guys that, that, that you put those are pieces towards the, the end of the puzzle. The Jets are still building. The Jets are nowhere near being done. The Jets might not even you know, I, I honestly have them but you I can't really, you know, give you know, uh, you know, uh, a record right now because you know the you know the picture isn't all together. But you can't start adding guys like Indomitian Sue when you're barely going to be fighting to get in the playoffs. Dominican Sue, Tyron Matthew, you know, it depends on what they're looking for. Sue is trying to get his last big deal before he come, becomes one of those veteran guys that that you know is going to start you know mentoring other players. Sue is 31 or 32 right now, so he's going to probably command like a two year deal. He's going to want as much money as possible. I don't even want that. 
I don't want that. And then you want to you want to pay guys for what they're going to do. You want to reward guys for what they're going to do. You don't want to pay guys just for their name. And when you start talking about the honey badger, Sue, you're paying guys for what they've already done. We need guys that are going to produce over the next four to five years and, you know, get older and, you know, and you want good guys and guys that are going to become a part of the core. And I think that, you know, like just like the names that we mentioned before, all these guys are 27 years old and younger with their best football ahead of them, not behind them. And that's what the Jets need to be focusing on. And, uh, and the last guy I want to talk about for the edge rushers, this is just, you know, simply edge guys, Shaq Barrett. Now, I know you guys, you know, out there that are listening, you're probably like, who's Shaq Barrett? Um, he's the guy that's always tearing it up on the second team for the Broncos. He's number 48, and he was like little Von Miller. Um, not trying to say that he's, you know, going to be Von Miller or anything like that. Nobody take, you know, nobody, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But Shaq, Shaq Barrett is a guy that you could probably have for maybe $7 million, you know, a year. You know, probably doesn't have to be a big signing bonus, and he's probably one of those guys that, that – you know, like if you, if you, if your coaches think that you can get him to get to the next level, I think Shaq Barrett is a guy that you should definitely add to your outside linebacker room because he's been watching Von Miller. He, why he learned from DeMarcus Ware and he's hungry. You know, I'm pretty sure that he's tired. He probably thought that he was going to, you know, be the guy opposite of Von Miller before they got Brad Chubb. Brad Chubb looks like he's going to be an absolute monster, but Shaq Barrett is a guy that played the position you know that he, you know, that he can get after the passer and he's probably a guy that's looking to prove that, hey, listen, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not a second teamer. I could be a first teamer and a, di- and a game changer and a difference maker in this league. I think that he's somebody like if you strike out on a Smith bar, uh, both Smiths, um, that if you end up with Shaq Barrett as a consolation prize, that that's, you know, that's not bad. You pair him with Jenkins and hopefully Bozar Allen. And then, you know, I mean, I, I think that I think that you're cooking. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Um, and again, not not another. He's not a sexy name. He's not a, a big name. But when you look at him, um, the, the thing I like about him is when he got a chance to play, he he jumps out at you. You know, he he produces. Again, you you're you're not going to be talked about on that that Denver defense. Um, when you're behind the likes of Von Miller and uh, when they had like one of the most fierce secondaries with uh, Tlaib and Roby and uh, God. Chris Harris. Chris Harris. Yeah, Chris Harris Jr. Um, and then they they added Chubb and then, you know, they added a big name with Shane Ray in the, uh, in the first round. So, you know, um, it, 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 it is what it is. It, it's one of those things, like I mentioned with Tyrell Williams uh, with, with the um, – L.A. is that you? He he's another guy to get, just get lost in the in the shuffle of uh, you know having these other big names. So that's that's what I'm thinking is uh, going on with Shaq Barrett. Uh, he had he, again. He he's this is his, what his fifth year going into his fifth year. Um, no, this was Yeah, I fifth. believe this is going into his fifth year. Yeah, so it's going into his sixth year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just to uh, jump in really quick, they brought in Shane Ray. And if you remember, he was, he outplayed Shane Ray. And, you know, like they were running on the second team, and he was the guy that was causing all those pressures, man. Like, you know, again, for the last three to four years, uh, towards the end of DeMarcus Ware's tenure there, they ran four deep. They had Miller, 
Ware, Ray, and Barrett. So you need, like, with these offenses, man, these offenses there, you know, everybody's going to the hurry up. Everybody is, you know, it's, it's, it's these, you know, three and four wide receiver sets. So you got to have fresh legs, man. You got to have fresh legs. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you, you, you talked, you mentioned this team earlier, um, and they are the perfect example of this. Um, the New York Giants, when they went on those Super Bowl runs, uh, when they, like the year that they beat New England with the, the, the perfect record, uh, the regular season record year, like they had a rotation on that defensive front that just wore you the hell down and just beat offensive linemen down because you had monsters coming on the end with with uh Pierre Paul and, and, and Justin Tuck and Strahan, you know, so that was no that was no rest for the weary for an offensive lineman playing that team. And that is something that we need to assimilate into what we're doing and be able to rotate guys in and out, high-quality guys, not necessarily superstars, but high-quality guys. Because if you remember, Tuck wasn't like this big, huge name. You know, he he turned into that. Uh, now, Pierre Paul, that was a little different. You know, he was expected to be what he was. and But, again, it, it's all about uh, winning the battle up front and when it's a hard game and, and you got you you get into the waning minutes of that fourth quarter, you need guys to make plays. And when you have that that good rotation of guys who are still somewhat fresh, you can you can take over a game in the, in the last moments and win it. And that's what we need. Yeah, we need closers. Honestly, how many times have you been looking at the Jets and you know we're up by a field goal, we're up by two points, and you just know that there's nobody that's going to be able to just step up and just ice this game. And you know it's we have to get a guy. I mean, like it's like you got a hundred million dollars in cap space. You have to get a guy that's going to be like, all right, it doesn't even matter what. It doesn't even matter if we rush three or if we rush four or if we're bringing pressure with five. I'm getting to the quarterback, and there's nothing that this offense can do because even if you chip me or something like that, like I'm gonna I'm gonna get through. And you know this is this is gonna be big, man. And um, just like when you think about that, all I can remember from that, Justin Tuck, um, Justin Tuck could have won the MVP that year. Like when they beat that that um, that New England team that was undefeated, yeah. they had OCU Manure, they had Strahan, they had Dave. I don't even know how I remember this. They had Dave Tollison. They had guys there that they had contributors. They were three deep at um, at some of the positions across the line. So the Jets really have to look, and they really have. They need to get one premier guy, and then they got to get one guy that I think that's. Um, you know that, that that you're basically just gonna have to get lucky on and project that he's gonna step up and be a, be a difference maker. And I think that if you you know you couple with one of the guys that we talked about in the beginning, and then you get one of these guys, you know Shaq Barrett or you know or, or one of the Smiths, I think that you know the Jets are really gonna be. I think that's the right step that you want to take as far as you know being able to generate a a good pass rush. Yeah, exactly. And just just a quick backtrack. That just goes to show how deep they are. Cause hell, I forgot about OC. Like, yeah, you know, when you said his name, I was like, oh damn, that's I forgot about him, and he was a double digit sack guy as well. Yeah, OC OC was a damn near All Pro. I think he was second team All Pro there. Yeah. But when he was in his prime, OC was he was a really good pass rusher. Yeah. Yes, indeed, man. So, I, I totally agree, man. Um, you know, I, and just talking about about these guys right now, man. I'm 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 getting excited just thinking about the possibilities. You know, um, 
And, you know, like when we was talking offline, man, this this offseason is a make or break, in my opinion, for Mac. Um he can't he he can't miss. You know, he can't afford to miss this year. You have you have your quarterback. You have your your head coach, an offensive-minded head coach, which is something we hadn't had uh, since Mangini left the building. Um, so you you have to hit. You have to take care of your quarterback. You have to to take care because we you know we we have uh, some nice pieces, young pieces on defense that will be around for a while. With the cornerstone being uh, Jamal Adams, like. And you have to be thinking now for the future. Like, if we don't do anything now to make us a a viable team, when it's time for him to leave, he's out. You know, like this this offseason isn't just for this upcoming season. This is for now and three four years down the line. So he can't miss, man. He he's got to hit on his draft picks. He's got to hit in free agency. Let me tell you something. This offseason has to be damn near flawless for Mike McCagman because now he's running out of he's running out of options. You know, I hear, you know, I'm still I'm in Florida now, so I, but I still listen to, you know, ESPN New York. And um, you know, the guys there always say that Mike McCagman has bought himself like two years just by uh drafting Sam Darnold. I disagree. This year, you or could well, when you look at it, you have to you have to he has to put a good base. In, in, in place going forward because there's not going to be that many, you know, offensive options, you know, like we like Tyrell Williams. We like some of the other stuff right there, but going forward, there's going to be, there's going to be some, some really exciting skill players in the middle of this draft and in the, and in the front of next year's draft. So, you know, I don't, we don't, you know, we're going to focus on defense on this, on this segment and in this episode, but he has to protect Sam. He has to give him somebody that he can trust and then he has to give him a defense that's going to get him the ball back and a defense that can basically make his life a little bit easier. And the quickest way to build a defense is inside out. But, and, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, we're not going to really harp on too many, you know, five techniques, uh, you know, five technique, which is the D end and the base three, four, or three techniques, because he has Shel- he has, I almost said Sheldon Richardson. He has Leonard Williams, who, who has underperformed, you know, I'm tired of hearing excuses. He is he's straight up underperformed. He was supposed to be the best player in that draft. Again, a guy that fell right to McCagnan. I don't think he had to do any really guesswork with that. But Leonard Williams has to step up. He I didn't really love the pick last year. You drafted a 25-year-old rookie from Canada. Nathan Shepard has to step up and show what he what he's capable of doing. Yes. So um, you know, I got I got to, I got some names here, but honestly, it's just like you know, it's just so just so we can speak here. I think Steve McClendon should be brought back. For one, not so much, yeah, not for not so much for what he does on the field, even though he's great at stopping the run and those tackles on first and second down are very crucial to have a, a successful three four. So I, I would bring Steve McClendon back. Another name is Danny Shelton. You know, he was there when Greg Williams was the the DC in Cleveland, but again, he was traded to the Patriots. So, you know, like you, you could look at that and say maybe, you know, Greg Williams doesn't want to really go back in there. I would bring Steve McClendon back just as a vocal leader and just because of what he does on first and second down. And also they got to re-sign Henry Anderson because that guy yeah. we see. Yeah, we see that, you know, uh, 3-4 DN is what he what he is. That That's what he that's what he's good at. He generates a lot of pass rush. He was a part time player and was tied for the team lead in sacks. So he needs to come back as well, too. 
Uh, one name that I will mention, because uh, I don't think that the Jets really have to do much at the D tackle or, you know, or the DN position. Uh, Corey Legit. He's a guy that, you know, he <laughs> he's a guy that, um, you know, say it was with San Diego, now the L.A. Chargers. Very good guy. He would command a really large salary. Unfortunately for him, he had, a, you know, a, a major injury. And, you know, he didn't really finish the year the way he wanted. So the Jets did want to bring someone in. Corey Legit is a guy that I'd bring him because you could probably have him on a two-year prove-it deal, maybe a one-year deal. You say, hey, listen, take, you know, $6.5 fully guaranteed. You rehab. And then, you know, we could talk about this in your age 30 season if you show that, you know, you're the guy that, you know, you were before the injury. So maybe that's it. But the Jets have to know what they have with Nathan Shepard. You know, a lot of these mid-round picks that Mac has been missing on, that's been taking some reaches on, you know, Dylan Donahue's, uh, Lorenzo Malden, you know, he's like, you know, he he has to get some of this right. You know, people are losing patience. I'm losing patience because I was all on board because he was supposed to be a scouting guy. You know, his right. bread and butter was supposed to be scouting. So you drafting, you know, I don't know what the hell his problem is drafting these 25 and 24-year-old rookies. And, you know, them just not turning out or, you know, they, you know, I don't, you know they, they're having like personal issues and stuff like that. But he has to get it right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's well known from his history that Max likes he likes seniors, you know, and that's that's fine. But I mean, I, I'm like you. I, I, I'm not really high on older guys, um, especially. You know when it when it comes to uh, skill positions. I mean, you know, only old guy. I'm, I'm good with the punters and kickers. I'm gonna just be be real. Um, but a couple of things that you said, I do agree with. I, I do agree with uh, bringing back Steve McClendon. Again, he's he's a vocal guy. He he seems to be a strong leader, uh, and you need that for a young team. Um. Also, I, I do agree with, you know, either Danny Shelton, uh, Corey Legit uh, on a, a proven deal, but we do need to re-sign Anderson. I mean, where else did you get that type of production out of a seventh-round pick? Like, and I, and I remember the uproar people had when they made that deal, and they, you know, people called it a stupid deal. And, again, and it was people who didn't really watch the game. You know, they watch football, but not watch the game. Uh, exactly. And I remember us having a conversation about it. We talked about him in particular way back when they got him, and we were both good with that. And he proved us right. Um, I, I Honestly, I didn't think it would be to the level that he did. Uh, I just didn't see him being that explosive and that disruptive, but it was appreciated nonetheless. So he has to stay. Uh, McClendon has to stay. Our run defense was probably the worst in the league. If we weren't the last place, we were, you know, right there, 31, 30, or whatever it was. So that has to be a, a focus as well uh, on his defense, not just pass rushing. Um, because we saw a lot of teams just run rough shot over. Like Frank Gord looked like third year San Francisco back Frank Gore time against us. Just you know, just pushing us over. And I'm, you know, I, I was disgusted watching that a lot last year. Um, you know, teams needing, you know, three, four yards, they get six. You know, um, we, we couldn't we couldn't really do anything as far as run defense on, on short yardage. So we need guys who can make stops. 
uh, Corey's a big guy, like six, what, six, five, 300 plus, you know, he, you can plug him in the middle. Uh, again, I, I'm re- I'm really interested in seeing Nathan Shepard though. Um, you know, he blew away a bunch of people in the senior bowl. Um, he was manhandling like the, the quote unquote top lineman, you know, coming out in last year's draft, uh, a kid from, uh, Boise Hernandez, he 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 dogged him last year in the senior bowl. Um, so <sighs> I, I think that's what got him into the third round. I think we could have had him later. I don't think he was on people's radars like like that to where he was a third round pick, but he's here, so he's gotta produce. And and he will be tied to Mac as well because of his circumstances, like this guy went on the Odyssey, you know, to play football, and, and you found him way up in Canada, and you know, it's a lot to that, but it's something that that needs to pan out for Max's sake. And yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I completely agree, man. And you just look at, you know, you just look at some of the fourth rounders that he spent on guys that are, you know, supposed to be pass rushers, man. I just think about Dylan Donahue. I think about Malden, um, and you know, he has to get it right. And Shepard is going to be in that grouping of guys and I listen I know that he's had some gems you know he brought in Robbie Anderson under you know undrafted free agent you know Sharon Peak has turned into a special teams contributor but you know I burned into my head is Devin Smith I know the injuries but what have you Devin Smith was a one-dimensional receiver and there were other receivers that ran the route tree way better than Devin Smith and we still took Devin Smith I look at Chad Hansen and our Darius Stewart there's no reason why both of those guys should have been drafted in the third round. Those picks could have went to some, you know, depth offensive line players. We've wasted so many of those mid-round picks, and those are important. Those are the guys, those, those are the second and third stringers on your team. Those are important picks, man. Those are really important, and you got to hit on those guys. So I think Anderson needs to be brought back because, like, as you said, Anderson was the best front seven player at certain points of the season last year. He outshined Leonard Williams at some point. Like, he was disruptive, man. Now, I think the thing with, you know, that's why I kind of like talking, you know, football with you, you know, even though, you know, we were going through it these last two years. But I like talking because even though we see what Anderson did, but we're not going to jump the gun. We know that his bread and butter is a rotational guy because he's had some durability issues. And that's fine. You know, like the thing that fans need to understand is and what sometimes I get frustrated, but I always try to educate. Everybody's not going to be a superstar. We need guys that are totally comfortable playing their role. Steve McClendon knows that he's a run stopper and a vocal leader. Henry Anderson understands that he is a rotational guy and he's going to give you that burst. And that is totally fine. And I think that if we can get, you know, some, some positive strides from Nathan Shepard, Leonard Williams, hopefully Greg Williams learns how to scheme him open and free him up a little bit more. And I think if you can get, you know, listen, if we can start getting pressure off the edge and I think that, you know, forcing the quarterback to step up, that's going to improve Leonard Williams' game and hopefully take it to the next level. So I don't think that much needs to be done as far as the interior D-line on this team. I think that they have enough, you know, enough um, enough depth. You know, they got guys like Bronson, Kawafusi, and um, uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but I'm sorry. Uh, Falaronzo Fatuasi, the guy that we picked up from yeah. Um, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, big boy. Huge Huge. He's like, what, 6'6", six, six, like 320 or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. So, listen, so guys like that it comes into coaching. So, I hope that, you know, the coaching staff knows what they're doing because if you can get anything out of those guys, I think that, that you're going to be fine. Now, I want to transition to the DBs. Now, for the first time in a long time, 
I would say that the Jets are in dire need of DBs. DBs are set. Jamal Adams playing himself as one of the best strong safeties in all of football. And honestly, I love Marcus May. Marcus May, you know, some people are calling him injury prone. And you know, <laughs> that, we kind of that, that, first of all, I had to like I had to I had to tell somebody that, you know, Marcus May has been durable as hell. And to be honest, he outplayed Jamal Adams in their rookie year. You know, we, if we're being real. So and he's and he's the guy that makes Jamal Adams, you know, he's gonna be one of those guys that makes Jamal Adams shine. Jamal Adams is gonna be like the Troy Palomalu, making all the flashy plays, talking, doing all that other stuff. Marcus May is Ryan Clark, covering his ass and making sure that he's, you know, that he's able to, you know, to freelance and do what he does. But true, I mean, you know, that we could do a whole nother episode on how he needs to step up, and he'll probably be the first one to tell you that he needs to step up. Right. But there's gonna be some there's some good um, safeties, you know, I mean, sorry, good corners. Um, Ronald Darby, I'm going to go straight to Ronald Darby. And I think that if Ronald Darby didn't tear his ACL during last year, Ronald Darby would be right up, you know, at the top of anybody's shopping list when it comes to corners. You watch some of the games and he was going up against Odell Beckham twice a year. He was going, you know, he's going up against, you know, um, you know, maybe Des Bryant when he was there, you know, when Des was, um, you know, still a, a viable option at receiver. And I think Ronald Darby, man, 5'11", 200-pound corner. If you guys remember, Rex Ryan loved him. And we saw a little bit of Ronald Darby when he was with the Buffalo Bills. Remember, he was traded for Jordan Matthews. This guy can cover. You look yeah. at the game that he played against Julio Jones last year, he was not afraid, and that's the type of guy that you need. Now, I don't know, you know, like I don't, I'm not really sure how much money, you know, the Jets are going to want to allocate to – the defensive side of the ball in such a defensive rich draft, but you need three corners in this league. And if, and if true Johnson is still going to, you know, perform like he's a number two, you're going to have to bring in somebody that's going to not be afraid and be a number one. And I think that Ronald Darby, you know, you're going to be able to get him on a bit of a cheap just because of the injury concern. I think Ronald Darby is a name that they should strongly consider. I think that you need to be, McCagney need to be at one of these pass rushers doors and then the assistant GM of Greg Williams need to be at Ronald Darby's door as soon, right now, because teams are tampering and people are already yeah. uh, agreeing to um, verbal agreement. So Ronald Darby's a name that they need to be on. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I like the fact that, again, he's, he, uh, we, we know about the knee. Okay, fine. He's only 25 years old. Um, he, has, uh, he has great, great size, in my opinion. Very good speed. Um, he he can be the number one if true falls flat. Um, now I I I do like him. Um, I I I do think, and a lot of people might kill me for this, probably you included. But I do think that they should try to bring back Claiborne on a another one year deal. I don't think his market would be that big, and they can you know reasonably get him back again. Um. At, at times he was he was he was good. At times he was terrible. Um, he he had he he had some 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 bad faux pas as far as penalties goes. Uh, he wasn't on a bunch of screens level of penalties, but he 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 did enough. Um, another name that people ha- have thrown out is uh, Bryce Callahan. Now, again, I I like Callahan as well, but I want to see what Nickerson has. I I am a fan of Perry Nickerson. Um, you know, I'm from the South, so I, I've watched the kid at, over at Tulane. You know, um, 
and he jumps out at you on tape in college, you know, and he was historically good. Like uh, he was number three, like in NCAA football, division one football and passes defense in his career. You know, that's, that's huge in my opinion. He get, he has a nose for the ball. And he showed that at times uh, last year. I mean, we was watching, uh, might have been the Detroit game. We was talking back and forth while the game was going on. And, you know, he just kept just jumping out at you, you know, making play after play. Uh, you know, he, he makes mistakes, and, and, and that's expected of a young guy. Um, he loses his head here and there. But with good coaching, you know, he can be what Buster Screen used to be minus the penalties. And we got him for cheap for a few years. So I, I'm not I'm not high on Callahan. I would rather see what Nickerson has. Let, let me tell you something right now. Um, the Jets are not the Jets are not a sure in for the playoffs. So these next two years, only thing I want to see is development. I want to see strong draft picks. I want to see smart free agency decisions, and I want to see development from mid round guys. Nathan Shepard's Perry Nickerson. I love his short area quickness. And he has he has see he has short area quickness and he has straight line speed. It's very rare that you can do that. That's what made yeah. Buster Screen so good when he was in Cleveland and his first couple of years here. Perry Nickerson is aggressive. You have to be aggressive. People are saying that too many penalties. Let me tell you something. Quarterback is the hardest position to learn on offense. I think on defense, you could argue. The slot position is probably one of the most mentally demanding quarterback and even slot. Slot is even harder than quarterback because you're giving this guy a two-way lane, sometimes a three-way because they can break off, they can go in, out, or they can run past you. Playing the slot as a rookie is very, very demanding, especially now with all these pick routes and crossing routes and guys running you off. Oh, and you got to make sure that you don't run into the referee and the official and things like that. The slot position is very tough. And I think that learning from a veteran like Buster Screen is only going to help Perry Nickerson. And I, I'm, I'm totally fine with, you know, handing the job to him. Well, not handing it. You know, he has to earn it, uh, of course. But I think Perry Nickerson, I, when, when he was drafted last year, I was like, I love that. You know, I, I looked at his footwork, and I'm like, that guy's a slot corner. In two, in two or three years, that guy's going to be one of the if, – if everything, you know, you know, things have to pan out, he's, he's going to be a starter right after Buster Screen. I think they just look at him like that too. Mo Claiborne, honestly, you can't really allocate almost $30 million in salary to the to the um, cornerback position. Unfortunately, the Jets gave Tremaine Johnson all that money. So, you know, maybe if you if you want to, like, you know, make up for your, your mistake and ownership okays it, then you can get Ronald Darby. We could bring back Mo Claiborne on a one-year six or seven million dollar deal, and I'd be fine with that too. Because it seems like whenever Mo Claiborne only has to play for one year, he plays good and he doesn't really get hurt. And, you know, it, and you could do a lot worse than Mo Claiborne. And another thing, if, you know, these guys that we're talking about so far, if we get some of these pass rushers, the offense isn't going to have that much time. So maybe, you know, the production of the cornerbacks, you know, increases, you know, this uh, brings, this elevates their, you know, their play because these offenses have less time. So I, I would be totally fine with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I think that front seven would make a huge difference. Um, when it comes to uh, the secondary. Now, there's one more name I, I wanted to throw out at you um, and see what you think about him. Um, I personally feel like it would be a good move to give this guy a shot, kick the tires on him. Um, I like his speed. He has great size. 
Like, you just don't find 6'2 corners who can run. Uh, Kevin Johnson, the former yeah. uh, guy <laughs> from, from Houston. Uh, Houston. Yeah, he was – he's he's supposed to – he's supposed to visit yesterday, I believe. Um, so – <laughs> oh yeah, so so you you was already on that man. See, that's what I'm saying. We think a lot alike, man. But I honestly think that that would be a good look, uh, bringing Kevin Johnson in. And with the injury history, you can get him at a reasonable deal, uh, and not tie yourself down to him for three, four years, or whatever it is. So tell me what you think. I I love it. And again, you know, you know, for people out there that say like, you know, Kevin Johnson, stuff like that, maybe you got to remember we're, we're bringing him in to be, you know, a number two corner. So basically we just want somebody that's just not going to give up a, a touchdown on every nine route that's run his way. And I like Kevin Johnson. Um, I don't really love the durability, you know, because he, he's been nicked up ever since he came into the league. But as far as, you know, a big corner that can cause some problems for a number two receiver, I would love that. And, you know, you got to, you know, it sucks because, you know, like these guys, you know, you don't you don't really want to use that against them, but it's a business. You know, he hasn't really shown that he could really stay healthy over, you know, a 16 game span, but the talent is there. And, you know, and I know that Greg Williams wants to be aggressive. He wants to be in your face. And if you're going to be aggressive, you got to have corners that that are going to be able to press and run and, you know, with all the blitzing that he wants to do so. You know, it's funny you were laughing because I showed you my notes. Kevin Johnson was the, uh, the the fourth name that I had up there. So, I mean, if you could, if you tell me that Kevin Johnson, we only have to commit, you know, let, let's say like what, seven years. I mean, sorry, seven, seven mil over three or four years. I'd be, I'd be on board with that because he's only 27 years old. Exactly. Now, you know, you, you had your tablet and folks listening. Um, we didn't talk about any players beforehand, like who do you think, who do I think. We, you know, we just got on here and just talk football like we normally do. And, you know, that just goes to show the synergy that we have, you know, between us when it comes to this. Like we 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 look for a lot of the same things, you know, and I think that's how we hit it off so quickly, you know, in the group to where it just moved from the group to off of Facebook and, and fantasy football and all of that because we, we think a lot alike and we look for certain things, uh, and we both want what's, what's best for the Jets overall. Now, uh, before we, we, we get out of here, man, um, I, I just have one more question for you. Um, now we, we both are, are good with either Bosa or Allen. Um, but just, just for hypothetical sake, um, if both of those guys are somehow gone or we get blown away with an offer to trade back, Give me one name that you would take defensive-wise to replace either one of those guys. To replace either one of those guys. So let's say Bosa goes one, Allen goes two, and we don't get blown away. So we're going to take the best player available right then and there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Quinn and Williams. It's just as far – and um, I'm saying that just because I don't – you know, if I have – if I'm stuck there and I have to pick somebody and I don't have an option to move back, I mean – I don't like guys that, and I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. I don't like guys with only one year of production because if you look at it, he's a redshirt sophomore, and I right. know that he's had some. You know, he's had some studs. It's Alabama, you know. It's a football factory, so he's had some guys in there ahead of him. Where he probably couldn't really break the the starting lineup. I like that he has a low center of gravity. He's six two, big boy, moves really well. Even I don't care about the forty. He's never going to. If I'm seeing Quinn and Williams run forty yards, that means that somebody broke through the line. 
and he's chasing down the running back. I need to know about his 10-yard splits, which was really good. It ranked um, near the top of uh, his group. He, he stays low. He has a go-to move, the rip and, du- the rip and dip move, um, and I've seen him work counter moves as well. We know that he can fight through a double team because he was getting double teamed throughout the entire year. Now, if you tell me that we get Anthony Barr, we have Jenkins, and then we bring in, you know, let's say we, you know, we, we bring in Shaq Barrett too, and then we have Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, and Steve McClendon, honestly, or Henry Williams, uh, sorry, Henry Anderson, rushing from, you know, a nickel, nickel position. You know, we're in nickel defense. I kind of like our odds with, you know, getting pressure right up the middle and coming off the edge. So if both of those guys are gone, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Quinton Williams is going to be my pick just because, you know, getting pressure right in Tom Brady's face, who just doesn't want to retire, is is very <laughs> crucial. And I also right. think that bringing in Quinton Williams will elevate the, the, the play of Leonard Williams. I agree. Yeah, uh, that that is the third name on my list. Um for me, if that was, you know, all things being the same, those first two are going to, we didn't trade out of the third spot. Then yes, I would take him. It definitely would be DK uh, Metcalf. Um, oh, but hell, don't even, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. And this is not, it's not an indictment on DK. Listen, I have, listen, listen, I, I love, I love guys that are six, three and, you know, run a four, three as well too. But I mean, I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's cut the bullshit. Like let's stop. Right. But, um, Outside of outside of Williams, um, and again, if we move back, the guy that I like is uh, Rashawn Gary out of Michigan, and and that would be only if we didn't get like you know Anthony Barr, Preston Smith, you know somewhere like that. But I, I like his size. You know, he has a, a nice blend, the size and speed. Uh, he he destroys tight ends in the run game, so that would help uh, us in the run game, but. You know, again, if if all things stay the same, those first two guys are going. We're still sitting at third, and we have all of these other holes that we fill through free agency. Quinny Williams would definitely be my pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, well, this is this is actually, you know, the it's good when we disagree. Anyway, I stay away from guys like Rashawn Gary. Now, unless I have, unless my, my unless my my defensive line coach or whoever my pass rush specialist is is telling me that, listen, I can bring this guy in and I can mold him and I can take his natural physical gifts and turn that into technical sound gifts. Then I'm like, all right, so. I'm going to draft this guy. My name is on him, but I know that you're the one, you know, I'm drafting him off your merit. I stay away from guys that are super athletic freaks and the production doesn't match their athleticism. Rashawn Gary is 6'5", almost 290 pounds and runs, what was it, a 4.59? Yeah, 4.59. Now, like, I don't think people understand how big of a man that is moving that fast. If he has that much burst, that much speed, that much power, his his production should be through the roof. He should have Bosa and Josh Allen production, and he doesn't. Now, is it because is it because he wasn't coached up? Is it because he doesn't know how to use his body? You know, these are still young guys. These what these guys are what twenty one to twenty three years old. Yeah. Now that just calls for concern. Does he run hot and cold? Does he have a motor? I'll be honest. I haven't watched any game. I haven't watched any film on Rashawn Garrett because whenever I see athletic freaks like that, that don't really produce in college, I'm kind of staying away from it. So, yes. and, and I, yeah, go, go. 
Oh my my bad. I was just gonna say his his biggest knock is his lack of complimentary moves. Like he'll hit you with mm-hmm. the bull rush, and that's it. You know, uh, I, I think you alluded to having a, a, somebody coach him up. They can get him that spin move. You know, that hand slap or use his hands. Uh, you know, good. Then I, I think with his athleticism, uh, uh, and his upside, his ceiling, he he could be twelve, fifteen sacks a year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And again, like, you know, you know, I, you know, if we want, if we want to, you know, if we do something leading up to the draft, I'll definitely look at that guy, you know, I'll look at him and, and see, you know, you know, what, what I can tell, you know, obviously I don't have like the, I don't have access to the film that some of these guys do, but you know, obviously he plays a little bit high. That's why I know a lot of people are in love with Montez Sweat. I like him. I think Montez Sweat is going to be a guy that you would probably bring in and, um, you know, he's going to have to play behind somebody like an Anthony Barr or a Preston Smith and really learn the nuances of the game and how to, you know, get skinny and stay low. And I think that that's, that's a lot of the problems that, that Gary has, too. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. If, if, you, if you're that much of a freak athlete and you're not just absolutely dominating, especially when you have, especially when you, have you know, other first-rounders in the same front seven with you, that's just cause for concern about me because you can't bull rush everybody in the NFL. Everybody's strong as hell. And all these and some of these linemen, they, they're grown men. So you're not going to be bull rushing a lot of guys, you know, back into the quarterback, especially him being, you know, he's damn near six seven when once you put the cleats on. So you know he's not there's not going to be too many times where he gets under somebody's pad level unless you're going against uh, you know, an offensive tackle or a guard who is just as tall. So I think that's just cause for concern about me. Another name I would mention is Montez Sweat. He's another guy that blew off the, you know, he ran a what, a four? He ran a what, a four, four, five, or a four, six, or something ridiculous like that? He ran a four, four, right? He had a ridiculous combine. Four, yeah, four, something four, stupid. Four, yeah. Yeah, something ridiculous for a six, five, 260 pounder. But another thing, he plays high. You know, he doesn't have any counter moves. And, you know, he, he's a little stiff in the hips. Now, you know, that's why I always say that coaching is important, but, you know, I would have my coach. My coaches would have to be banging on the table like, listen, this is what I could do with this guy because we've seen it. We've seen the athletic freaks just not pan out. Vernon Golston, Deion Jordan, we've, come on, we've seen these guys blow the doors off the combine and do absolutely nothing in the league. I mean, people were enamored with Marcus Hunt. Remember him, the big dude, the, 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 the Bosnian wall, Estonian wall or whatever? Now, you know, he kind of found his niche as a, as a five technique in, in the Colts system. But again, he was, he was picked because he was six foot seven, 200 and what, 70 pounds and ran a four six. Never, never really turned into anything with the Bengals. So, you know, we got to stop falling in love with these guys just because they look like, you know, they look like Tarzan and most of the time play like Jane. Exactly. And, you know, Mark, uh, Vernon Golston is is a prime example of the yeah, combined warrior. Um, you know, he I don't even want to talk about him. You know, he, he know. was he was so terrible, such a such a waste of, of a six pick. It was it was horrible. But yep. you know, man, I, I really uh I really appreciate you stopping by and talking defensive football with me. Now we got uh free agency about to kick off. Um Today is the 10th, so what, Wednesday, I believe? Tuesday, Wednesday? Yeah, the 13th, uh, which 13th, is uh, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but to be honest, this is basically the tampering period. Everyone's being courted. You know, guys are agreeing verbally already. So, you know, I see Jets fans, you know, complaining and stuff like that just because, you know, like nothing's really happening. 
guys, free agency starts on Wednesday. So, right. you know, if they're in, this is good that they're not letting everything out. Because remember during the Rex years, we'd hear rumors all day. I'd rather they, you know, behind closed doors, start verbally agreeing with guys. And, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really even matter. Right. Like, you know, as soon as, yeah, as soon as Wednesday comes, the clock hits. That's when I want. That's when I want the news to start rolling in that they bringing these guys in. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, I'm I'm hoping that once free agency kick off, uh, we can get back together and you know talk about what's going on in free agency. Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to make a splash um, immediately like we did with True. I'm hoping that we start off with. Uh, uh, Matt Paradis and, and Roger Saffold. I hope those are the first two names off the damn board to the New York Jets. Yep, yep. I made a post about it in 24-7, man. Um, you know, I think those guys, as far as the overall picture, are 1A and 1B for me because I want Sam I, – I want – we have to create an environment. The Jets need to, the Jets have done a decent job getting rid of those, you know, those locker room guys that really weren't on board and were doing their own thing. Now we have to create an environment conducive for Sam's growth. And the best thing, besides a tight end and besides an offensive-minded coach – is an offensive line. And I think Roger Saffold and Matt Paradis is going to be great. Or or even, is it Mitch Morse or Matt Morse? Mitch. 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 Yeah, Mitch. Yeah, Matt Morse is a baseball player. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going. Yeah. yeah, so I think that those two guys, I think that they should be right at the top, you know? And I'll even, you know, honestly, I'll even, you know, if you if you want to – if you want to go to uh, Roger Saffold's place and Matt Paradis first and then, you know, get to the – the pass rushers later, I'm even fine with that because um, this team is only going to go as far as Sam Sam um, Donald's uh, development. Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, man. Um, again, Sam is the most important piece of all of this, and we should protect him at all costs. So, yeah, for sure. you know, with, with that being said, man, I, I'm looking forward to free agency. I'm looking forward to your insight, um, and I'm looking forward to having you back once the kickoff for us to talk about everything that's going on with Jets football. So you got any parting words for uh, our listeners? Um, uh, no. Yeah, I got some parting words. Listen, this, this was fun. I'm definitely getting back into the podcasting. You know, I've done it in the past. I've always wanted you and I have talked about linking up for a while now, and I'm glad that we finally got to get it done. And this actually went better than I actually anticipated it going to. But I'm not surprised just given our history and our conversations that we had, man. And I, and I look forward to being a you know regular contributor on this, man. I, I like where this can go. I like what we just did and, you know, without much practice, just like, hey, man, listen, listen, you know, what time you want to get this done? Yeah, um, yeah man, I'm ready. This is, a, this is a big, exciting time for, you know, for us, this podcast, and hopefully the Jets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. And uh, hopefully when we do get back uh, together to talk about free agency, I have some big news uh, concerning the podcast. So on behalf of uh, myself, on behalf of my new co-host slash contributor slash football guru slash brilliant mind, Mr. Omari Brown, um, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to the Flight Deck Podcast, and we are looking forward to seeing you guys on the next go-round.